Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Catching Up with Jeff G. This week, I am very pleased to introduce that my guest is my good friend, who is by no means an average Joe. It's my friend, Joe Yang. How you doing, Joe? Hey, Jeff. Joe, what have you been up to, man? I feel like we haven't talked in a while. Yeah, it's it's, it's been quite a while. Um, I'm in Jersey now with family. Uh, I was living in the city and... Uh, after COVID happened, uh, so my, my lease end, ended in June, mm. and uh, I feel like now it's it's not a great time to renew leases just because it's kind of uncertain totally. when offices are going to reopen. Um, so I decided my best move is probably to stay with family for the time being mm-hmm. uh, until until we get more clarity on 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 what's going to happen. I totally understand, man. Well. Welcome home. Jersey is the best state in my mind, so you're in the best place you can be during this time. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty interesting because, like, I grew up in uh, – I was born in Jersey, grew up in Jersey, and I didn't really mind it too much. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to New York, I'm like, you know, New York is the place to be. And, like, I try to, to avoid the suburbs as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but now – with coronavirus, I feel like the suburbs is the perfect place to be. And like <laughs> people are trying to get away from the city as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us who definitely have homes in suburban area, I do think that we have a bit of advantage. So, mm. I mean, even before coronavirus, I, I loved being in the suburbs. So this is just fine for me so far. <laughs> but anyway, so Joe, for the people who are listening who might not know you, do you want to briefly introduce yourself? Yeah. So... I met Jeff right before he started at NYU. So um, there's this like youth retreat um, that a a church in Flushing hosts. And so I went to that. And then one of the people uh, from that church invited me to uh, this like youth camping trip. Mm -hmm. And so it was at that camping trip uh, that I met Jeff. So that was like the summer before, I think it was like before your freshman year yep yep um and then i i remember i was like telling you about the different fellowships and like i was part of uh acf which is like a asian american christian fellowship just mm-hmm. a part of university and like i didn't really i, I had no idea that like you were going to be part of it um just because like you know you, you you tell you you meet a lot of freshmen and then you tell them like all the different clubs on campus and like it was really cool to see you kind of like spreading your roots in the fellowship and like meeting a lot of friends there and getting involved. Um, but yeah, that was the first time we met and then how I got to know you better. Yeah, for sure. You're one of the few people that, you know, I think right now in my life, my two main bodies of friends are my church friends and then my sort of college friends. And then everybody else is kind of like their own category. You're one of the few friends that actually overlaps both my church and college friends because our our church friends are mutual friends as well because we're all part of i guess similar like sister networks of churches yeah. but then you're also the one that introduced me to the college fellowship that's where i got to meet everybody else so yeah definitely gotta say thank you for you know introducing me to WACF and allowing me to to be able to find a community i could be with during college um so shout out to you <laughs> you're welcome I think it was interesting to see the two worlds colliding. I, was it For your sure. baptism where you invited people from WACF to your yes. your church in Israel? Yeah, so that, <laughs> that was that was cool. <laughs> yeah, to see like your NYU friends meeting your church friends. I think a lot of them were very surprised at how I guess like the churches that we attend, how they they what service looks like, because mm-hmm. um you know our college fellowship friends or at least like majority of churches in the city, they're more, I don't know what the word is. They're more, uh, modernized. (laughs) I don't know. I I, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I I remember after inviting like my, uh, the college fellowship friends to, to my home church, a lot of them were like, Whoa, you guys just sing hymns (laughs) and Whoa, there's only a piano there. (laughs) Where's the hill song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it It was interesting seeing those, those dynamics, but, yeah, but so Joe, as you mentioned, we met uh, that summer before my freshman year in 2013. So uh, we we actually went on this camping trip with the, the a church based in Flushing. Yeah. Um, that that camping trip was actually quite eventful. Like I don't know if you remember, but I think the first night we were there, or the second night, there was like a huge rainstorm, and we had to like 
all be hobbled in our tent. Oh yeah, I don't that know. was that was pretty funny. Yeah, and then we also went like white water rafting, and I believe we also went to some like Boulder Field or like Boulder Park. But oh yeah, did you make it all the way across that thing? I did, but my legs were so sore after that because I feel like most of the rocks I stepped on and I was traversing through the field were like really wobbly. So yeah. Each time I stepped on a rug, I felt like my leg was like going in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> and like the surfaces were like pretty sharp too. Like I was afraid mm -hmm. if I jumped that I was going to like twist an ankle or like oh yeah, fall in between a crevice that I wouldn't be able to like climb out of. So I think I think I only made it like halfway through, but props to you for making it the whole way. Yeah, no, for anybody who wants to you know like walk across these boulder fields and stuff like please wear pants like shorts are not a good idea when you're trying to avoid these like jagged edges and everything like that and um, don't wear flip-flops don't wear flip yes exactly but yeah but that trip was super fun and i think that's also when we got to know each other a lot better i mean obviously that's the first time we met so we didn't have a basis before that but you know i'm really grateful that someone told me that you actually went to NYU at that time and that I was I got accepted to NYU and I was about to you know commit to it mm. um and you really helped I guess lay out what college life would be like um and I, I remember on on that during those like car rides or whether at night when we're, we shared the same room like just talking about you know what to expect and that helped really prepare me for for what was to come so that's good to that. hear. I actually don't remember those conversations, <laughs> but I'm I'm happy that you do. Yeah. So I mean, so how's life for you now after college? Do you do you miss college at all? I do. Um, I think it was really hard. So so basically, I I graduated in 2015, mm -hmm. and um, I pretty much had like a job lined up. Uh, senior year, uh, went into banking for two years, and I think. The first year after graduation was pretty difficult mm -hmm. um, just because like you're working long hours and like you don't really, at, at least for me, like I didn't really have much of a life outside work mm -hmm. and you kind of miss just hanging out with people. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like most of the people, m most of my time was spent like in the office or like with coworkers mm -hmm. and I honestly spent more time with my coworkers than like with my own family mm -hmm. and friends. So I think that was tough. Um, but as, as the years go on, I feel like you start making uh, like, at least for me, like I, I started making like new friends um, and it, it kind of helped a bit. Um, right. But I feel like early on it was, it was more difficult. Yeah. And, and speaking of like meeting new friends, you actually did not have the most, I guess, normal college experience because you actually switched colleges like midway through your undergrad, right? You, you yeah. went to Rutgers at first and then you went to NYU. So obviously both schools, I think, are very different, um, you know, especially one based in New York and one based in central Jersey. So yeah. like to you, what was that experience like going from Rutgers to NYU? Yeah, so... I knew I wanted to study business. Mm. And so I, I, from high school, I originally applied to NYU, to Stern, uh, which was like my dream school at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was waitlisted. So kind of my, my next best, best option was going to Rutgers. But like, I, I was not, like, I wasn't really happy with that decision. Because mm -hmm. like, I feel like a lot of my friends and a lot of people from the church I grew up with also went to Rutgers. So to me, it didn't really seem like anything special. No offense to people that go there, but that was just like my honest, you know, thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people think that way, especially if you grew up in Jersey. Like a lot of people regard Rutgers as like a safe school almost. But in reality, Rutgers is actually a really good school. So It is. It is. But and it's actually gotten... Um, it's actually gotten a, a lot better since I've been there. Mm -hmm. um, so I entered in 2010. And like at that time, there actually wasn't a physical business school building, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. So like we would take classes um, in other buildings. It just didn't really have that sort of feel that it does now. Like I, I visited campus because my, my brother, he um, he's a junior now in, in the Rutgers Business School. And it, it just looks totally different from when I was a freshman there. Mm. 
But um, yeah, like uh, when I was there as a freshman, my perspective of Rutgers changed a lot. I, I met one of my best friends there mm-hmm. during orientation who um, a couple of years ago, I was actually the best man at his wedding. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've, I, I've developed like really close friendships with the people that I met there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, freshman year, I completely forgot about like NYU and I was just kind of like enjoying life, college right. life. Right. Yeah. And I started to enjoy it. And um, it wasn't until sophomore year where uh, one of my friends, he like, planted that idea back in my mind about like he, he had also um he was like pretty ambitious and um wanted uh you know a, a solid job on wall street and 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 so in like talking with him that sort of made me rethink about uh kind of what i was trying to pursue mm-hmm. and um and so basically i, I decided to transfer uh, after sophomore year and 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 so that's that's when i uh, when I transferred to NYU was, was into my, my junior year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was pretty tough. I'm not going to lie, like making friends. Cause it, the, the tricky thing is like when you enter college as a freshman, everyone's like new mm-hmm. people don't really know each other. And like people are willing to make friends and just hang out with people regardless of if you have something in common or not. Right. Um, I think when you go in as a junior, people have already sort of at least from from what i saw people had already made their friend groups Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it was definitely tougher to sort of break into that Mm -hmm. um and also junior year as you probably know junior year is like one of the busiest times for especially for people in stern because you're trying to yep so like as i was trying to like after class, I'd be like, hey, do you want to, like, grab dinner, grab coffee, whatever? People are like, oh, I got to go to, like, this this networking event, or, like, I have an interview coming up, or I got to go to my internship. Right. Um, so most of the people I hung out with were from AACF, which I, I'm totally fine with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, actually, by the time I graduated, most of my friends weren't in Stern, but they were in uh, from, from Fellowship. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you first got into NYU then, and you were struggling initially to to find these friend groups like was there any feelings of regret that hey maybe you made the wrong decision that you felt for sure um i think especially that fall semester when i transferred in there were there were a lot of nights just lying on my pillow Mm. (laughs) and i think i think the toughest moments were i was replaying in my mind memories from back at Rutgers mm. and so that was especially <laughs> painful right right um and also for myself like because I was looking for uh you know an internship junior year so it was kind of like trying to balance making friends but also pursuing an internship as well right um so that was pretty exhausting because I, I remember like I wasn't really too involved with fellowship until springtime junior year Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because like fall that's when a lot of like the companies come to campus to recruit so i was like going a lot of those i think i only made maybe like one or two large groups the entire semester but i think once i locked something down junior year was when um i was like okay now i have a lot more time on my hands and there's like less networking events so um that's when I i think that's when i started like checking out uh, or, or, or getting more involved in WCF. Right, right. No, for sure. Like, I think I was talking about this on the episode of Anna as well, actually. But I think for me, anytime I go to a new location, like fellowship is usually the first or church, like is the first place I look towards in, t- in order to get myself established in terms of building a community. Um, and I was really grateful for that because hearing your experiences about how you felt when you first came to NYU reminded me of my freshman year in high school actually so Mm. for me growing up i actually went to private schools up till middle school and then for eighth grade i actually went to china to i don't know my my parents decided it would be a good idea to let me attend like a public school in china for a year so that was that so by the time i came back we then made the decision that hey for high school we're actually gonna go to a public high school so I went to Edison High School, which is the school that I went to. And, you know, 
when you most people who attend public schools they've attended like the public school system their entire lives right so usually you would know these people since elementary school all the way up so by the time i got into high school with these people like everybody already knew each other except for me and Mm. i remember it was the hardest thing because the first couple of weeks actually when i got to high school like i remember i would sit by myself during lunch (laughs) it was the saddest thing because like you just saw like so many people you know having fun like sitting at full tables and then there's just one like at that time really chubby asian kid taking up a table (laughs) to himself um oh no No one came up to you jeff i mean some people did i think some people felt bad so actually some people i was reminiscing about this like a while back but um some people that i'm really thankful for they actually would come up to me and actually offer me food which to chubby (laughs) jeff at the time you know was you know they, they they swing by, drop off their food, and go back to their tables. <laughs> no, 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 they'll come back, they'll chat, and be like, oh, "Oh, by the way, like I can't finish this. You want to finish it for me?" And I think they That's said awesome. that out of like niceness, not necessarily out of actual being full. Um, so I would always remember those those conversations. But no, then it got on, awesome. then it got better because then you know I got to know everybody through classes, and then by like the second month, and I was with people that I knew and hanging out with them. But that first mm-hmm. month was very, very tough. And I think that's true of any social circle. Like once social circles are established, it is quite difficult to break into them at first. But mm. yeah. And I actually had a similar schooling uh, background issue. So uh, I went to public school for kindergarten mm-hmm. and then I went to Christian school from first to sixth grade. Mm. Um, and then I went back to public school, uh, seventh grade on. Um, so that, that was pretty interesting as well. And do you, do you consider yourself more of a introvert or extrovert? You think, uh, I'm definitely more of an introvert. Mm, Same. Yeah. I'm like one of those people that it's very hard for me to meet new people, but once I know you, then I feel like we can get close pretty easily. You know what I mean? But yeah, I hate meeting new people, especially if it's a group of new people. That's like one of the worst things for me. <laughs> that makes sense. But I'm, I'm really glad you went to NYU because if you didn't, obviously, then my experience would have probably been very different as well. And you've been working in a city ever since then, right? So did you had you always imagined yourself being in a city post-graduation or what did life just happen to play out that way? Um... I don't think I gave it much serious thought until I had decided to major in finance, mm. which was probably midway through high school. Oh, wow. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, is that is that pretty early on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know oh, what I wanted oh. to do until sophomore year of college where they made us pick. <laughs> oh, I, I, I guess like, yeah, when I was like researching, just like, you know, doing basic research on, on finance jobs. Mm it seemed like most of them were in New York. So I was like, oh, okay. Like no matter where I go for college, I'll probably end up in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and also cause like in, in, in the church that I grew up in, uh, we, we meet in Newark, Newark, New Jersey, and most people work in New York city. Mm-hmm. So just from, from an early age, just seeing like where my dad and, uh, my dad's friends worked most of them were were in New York so that's kind of where I <laughs> expected to be myself mm. um yeah but I've, I've I've been I've been working in New York ever since graduation um I don't know I don't I, I don't think I would stay there forever I'm approaching 30 like I'm I'm, I'm turning 28 next weekend mm-hmm. or this coming weekend um and I I, I feel like once I have a family mm. if that happens i i don't know if i would want to raise them in the city like i just there's some nights where i even don't feel safe <laughs> and right. i would worry even more for like my f- two-year-old or five-year-old kid like walking on the streets mm. like mm. <laughs> like i would feel much more comfortable in the suburbs so do you think you would like move back to jersey for example i think that's going to happen mm. Um, I don't, I don't want to like say it's definite, but right. I definitely see myself like 
once I have a family, maybe I live a few years in the city. Um, but I just, I just don't see myself raising my kids uh, in New York until like high school or college. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you're. I don't think you're like the only one that has that thought. I think a lot of people have similar feelings, um, and that's why I feel like a, New York has a lot of single people. <laughs> but then you know, once people settle down with families and stuff, I think that's like you said, that's when they start moving out and and raising their their children elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, for me, I I never could have envisioned myself living in a city, I, and I think. Mm-hmm if nyu taught me anything it was that i definitely cannot live in a city (laughs) so but i mean i'm pretty satisfied with the lifestyle i have now like living in jersey and commuting to new york even though the commute can get pretty annoying at times i do feel that you know distance wise and also just environment wise uh it's a pretty good sort of work-life separation now i was just talking to you before we started the podcast as well how this whole quarantine lifestyle has now sort of merged those two and i realize i really don't like it when those lines between work and life start blending but, yeah um, no it's it's interesting when you brought that up because a lot of my friends have said that uh work from home it's really made work like the separation between uh work and life like it, it's it's like the line has become blurred mm-hmm. and I feel like that hasn't really affected me too much. Maybe because like, uh, I, I feel like with, with the job I'm in now, I, I try to draw a line in the sand of like, okay, it's six o'clock. And unless something absolutely needs to get done tonight, mm-hmm. I'm just going to let it slide till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my manager is pretty understanding of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I feel like it, it definitely like has to do with the manager um, also, like the culture of the company, because mm-hmm. um, I remember in my first job in banking, like everything needed to get done ASAP. <laughs> like right. if you got an assignment after dinner, you you're finishing it before you leave. <laughs> like and like I, I'm at Warby, and I feel like that's not so much the case here, um, unless something like urgently needs to get out. But like mm-hmm. 99% of the time, it can wait till tomorrow. Are you, are you the type of person like? say you've already left your office for today and then you get a phone call from work like would you be the type of person to straight out ignore it or would you still pick up and try to see what's up yeah i think um so i don't usually get phone calls but i have gotten emails Mm -hmm. um so i'm not recommending everyone should do this this is just what i do (laughs) this is this is what i do to mentally detach right um i actually turn off my notifications for email Mm. on my phone so basically like even if someone sent an email i won't even like get the notification unless i specifically went into the app and like opened it um so i feel like that actually helps me yeah like mentally detach like it's it's different than if you get the notification open it and just don't respond because like for me i just like um it makes no difference to me whether emails come in or or not right Uh, but there there was one time where um, so, so basically I'm on the retail finance team. And so we mm-hmm. work with, we work with like an outside consultant who basically acts as our like real estate team. Mm-hmm. So he, 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 he'll, uh, besides my manager, he, he sends me like the most amount of emails and he's definitely a lot more, um, he's more of the type that like he wants things done right away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there was one evening where I had already left. It was like on a Wednesday at like 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. where he had sent me an email and then maybe like 15 minutes later he texted me. Mm-hmm. And uh and and usually my, my manager like doesn't text me. He'll like he'll he'll email me. And right. so when I got the text, I felt a little anxious because mm. When I think of texting, you know, when you get a text, it usually makes you like happy and it's usually from like a friend or from family. Right, right. But when I got that text, it like gave me some anxiety, I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Um and so actually I had trouble sleeping that night. I I, I um because it I think it brought me back to my first job where like mm-hmm. if you got an email after dinner, like you better believe you're you're uh <laughs> you're like going back to the office and cranking stuff out until it gets done. And right, I think right. that brought me back some like post-trauma, <laughs> post-traumatic stress. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I couldn't sleep till like 
like three three that night honestly um and so actually the next the next morning i had um i had these like weekly check-ins with my manager mm-hmm. and so that happened to be the next day so uh, at the end of the check-in i told my manager the text message i got and i was like hey look like i'm you know i'm more than happy to do work uh if it needs to get done but if right. it's not like if it's not like super urgent um, I'm happy to like get in early the next morning mm-hmm. or get in regular time and, and, you know, do it first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was actually like very receptive of that. Like my manager, and he's great. like, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to this, the consultant uh, for you. And yeah, and we'll go from there. But he he was like very receptive of kind of my thoughts. And I was, I was really appreciative of that. No, that that's really good. And I'm glad your manager respects us as well. I, I think for me, like one toxic habit that i got rid of or not toxic habit but so you know how i have to commute to the city every day right obviously yeah. when COVID's not around but um my commute's two hours long so in the past when i first started working i made the really bad decision of checking my emails first thing in the morning mm. and it just sucks because when i check my email and i know that i have to do something i spend the next two hours thinking about that thing but <laughs> being unable to do anything about it and like I'm the type of person that the train ride is really important for me in terms of getting physical rest. Like I love taking naps on trains. Yeah. So when I first started to do that, I overthought and I was not able to sleep at all. And that checking that single email in the morning ended up ruining my entire day because one, I was oh, physically man. tired. Two, I was like anxious going into the office, so my whole morale was already low. And yeah. that was just not fun at all. <laughs> that. No, no, I, I know what you mean. That's exactly why I shut off, like literally shut off the notifications when I leave the office. Because people are like, oh, you know, working full time is great because you don't you don't have homework and you don't bring it back with you. Right. Uh, not exactly true if you have a smartphone and you get emails on your phone. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, even if it doesn't, at least for me, even if it doesn't have to get done that night, if an email comes in, it's going to be hard for me to like, completely not think about work mm-hmm. when that email's in the back of my mind so I, I i know what you mean despite these things like when people say that college is or work is still better than college i will agree because at least i always tell people at least you're getting paid for stress instead <laughs> of getting paying for stress like you are in mm-hmm. school so <laughs> that's that is true thing. or maybe work gives you more stress so it's it's an uh <laughs> no I know, I know what you mean it like yeah having having money Having money is nice. Not having to ask people for it is, um, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Well, I hope whoever's listening to this, we're not triggering any work anxieties <laughs> from, from hearing our conversation. But I mean, if you are, though, I think maybe that's a sign that, you know, you might need to look into your own work-life balance situation. And I think that, you know, I'm glad that my company, especially during orientation, was this was something that they talked about and you know stress the importance of especially like whether it's like because i think this work-life balance in a way falls under this whole sort of taking care of your own mental health right um Mm. to some extent maybe even your physical health but you know work is a means to an end and you know if you feel that it's too consuming too much of your life then maybe it's time to sit down with yourself and just ask yourself you know am i doing things the way that i want to do it so yeah, hopefully no one gets triggered again. But <laughs> if you do, maybe it will lead to a good thing. So, all right. Well, Joe, that was fun or enlightening at the very least. But I do think that this is a good time to stop for our first half of this episode. Um, as I mentioned in our second half, I'm going to be asking you some more fun rapid fire questions that will take us uh, away from this work-related subjects <laughs> and cool. get us to know more of our view personally. So we'll take a quick break here and we'll see everybody in our second half. Welcome back everybody to the second half of this episode with Joe. So Joe, as I mentioned, I'm going to be asking you some rapid fire questions. Are you ready, my friend? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So first question is, Joe, do you have any guilty pleasures? Ooh, guilty pleasures chocolate <laughs> that's not a I, guilty pleasure that's that's i feel like that's pretty common normal pleasure <laughs> i watch these like youtube videos mm-hmm. of uh so I, I watch a lot of like prank youtube videos but they're like 
pretty silly mm. of um basically guys trying to pick up girls <laughs> like so basically like these okay. youtube pranksters going to college campuses mm-hmm. and trying different pickup lines on girls so that's something that i'll i'll watch oh yeah I, would you take any lessons from them joe <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't actually i haven't actually tried but i just admire the the confidence that they have mm. you know i i mean i would personally never like go up to a stranger and try to flirt right off the bat but from what i've heard is that you know confidence is probably the biggest thing when you're approaching someone new yeah so what they do is like they'll have their subscribers comment mm-hmm. and, then, <laughs> and then they'll like it's kind of like a, a dare and then so uh... they'll they'll take whatever comments and then use them but mm-hmm. uh a couple of them have actually found their current girlfriend through, through really uh, through that, yeah. So, All right, Jake. I, I guess there's some success to it. Not, I'm not saying that people <laughs> should now go out and use them. It's just it's 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 amusing watching the videos. Joe, I live yeah. I live vicariously through them. <laughs> All right, Joe. Are you are you sure you don't keep like a list somewhere of all of these YouTube comments and suggestions? You're like, all right, use this next time I see someone new. <laughs> no do you think he would ever approach a stranger with the i guess romantic or i guess romantic um move maybe a lot like not the standard pick up lines that people think of but mm-hmm. like i've definitely if 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 i saw like a girl i thought was cute at, at a retreat or something at I a retreat thought... joe that's not the right place to think that <laughs> Hey, you'd be surprised. Like people are like, "Oh, that's where <laughs> that's where people people that's where people need, you know." All right. Uh, but like I've I've thought about like, oh, is there is there like a something that they're doing or or wearing that I could talk about as mm-hmm. like a way to 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 break the ice. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. I think for me, like, it's very hard for me to like someone who I don't know. Like to me, like being friends is always a prerequisite for me to have feelings for someone because I think it's through being through being friends and seeing how they interact that's when you like get to know them, and I guess in a natural way, like because the other thing I also don't want to do is, or that I'm worried of is when you like someone new, I think right off the bat you act in a way that's very different from your normal self, and as a result, like you're only seeing like the good side of someone. Um, but if you're friends with someone and you get to a comfortable enough degree, like sometimes you'll see exactly like who they are and you can decide for yourself whether that's something that attracts you or not, you know? That makes sense. So I guess as a follow-up question to that then, uh, do you believe in the concept of love at first sight? I'd say no. Okay. I think like, can you like someone at first sight? Definitely. Like you can think someone's, someone looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, just just by just by looking at them, but mm-hmm. when I think about love, it's not just the looks. It's also like you were talking about the connection that you have with them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you want to be able to get that just 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 by looking at someone. So yeah, I I, I would say no. Gotcha. No, I totally agree with that. All right, next question. Uh, I guess since we're already in this subject, then, <laughs> Joe, what would be your <laughs> ideal first date with someone? Oh, ideal first date. I I like to go biking. Oh. Um. So I know that's not the easiest to have conversation, <laughs> but um, on on weekends, like I, because I I used to live in Hell's Kitchen, so mm-hmm. I I would bike along like the West Side Highway, mm-hmm. or I'd go and and bike in Central Park, and um, I think it'd be really cool to if if there's a girl who also enjoys that. Mm-hmm. um it'd be interesting like i've i've done that before one-on-one and it's, de- it's definitely doable like right. to have a conversation while biking you just you obviously like don't want to <laughs> pedal as fast as you can but like <laughs> right. it's 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 doable to like have a conversation and bike it's cool because like i tried the apps for a little bit mm-hmm. the dating apps and most of most dates uh, involved food 
mm. which is like totally fine mm -hmm. but then afterwards i would feel like i just sat around and like feel more bloated and it's nice to go on a date where mm -hmm. you're you're still having conversation but you're like exercising at the same time <laughs> um <laughs> I, I definitely get i'm not even kidding like i gained a lot of weight through dating because <laughs> most of it involves food all right note to self i want to lose weight don't date anyone Duly noted. Or do or do like a workout class with them. I think that would be pretty cool. Oh, that's that's an interesting way of looking at things. So would you ever use one of those like couple bikes? No, no. It's gotta be uh <laughs> it's, gotta be... <laughs> it's gotta be one of the uh You don't want them to drag you down, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean uh, no no. If I was riding a bike with someone else, it would be me dragging the other person down. <laughs> so I actually didn't I didn't learn to ride a bike until like late high school. Hmm. And I actually only, I, I've only ridden a bike, I want to say three times in my lifetime. Like, oh, really? One, yeah, once was when I first learned how to ride a bike in high school. The second time, I want to say, is like one of those summers where I just decided to, to ride a bike at the time with, with the, uh, the people I was with. And then, but my most memorable biking experience was the third time, which was when I biked in Sydney. So in Sydney, they actually. Uh, it's pretty similar to city bike, I guess, but they let you rent a bike for like two, three hours. And we just decided to ride like around the whole like island thing. Um, that was really fun. But at the same time, it was frightening because this was my only my third time riding a bike and we had to like bike through traffic and stuff like that. So uh, well, yeah, what was your experience? Like, did you did you enjoy it or were you more fearful? So I think to me, the hardest part is always starting off because that's mm. the point where i feel like because i don't think i'm a person that has a lot of balance so yeah to me and you, you kind of need that for... <laughs> for exactly for starting off but once i get into the the groove of things i i actually enjoyed it quite a lot although the only thing that i still don't like are sort of very sharp turns that i don't enjoy but if it's mm. just like a nice sort of smooth path to bike in i would be down for that yeah that that's actually why i stick to places where there aren't many cars um because i i don't feel comfortable riding where cars are so i think uh yes yeah, like C central park and, and west side highway specifically yeah. uh there's sections blocked off where it's just bikers and runners mm -hmm. um so i feel a lot more comfortable well if any girls are out there listening to this that has an interest in joe you know get your uh, bike riding skills up <laughs> <laughs> no that that sounds like a nice date though i approve all right, next one. Uh, wow, a lot of the questions today are related to this topic. But uh, Joe, do you know the love languages? I do. So in case the audience doesn't know, the love languages are as follows. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. So uh, Joe, for you, out of these love languages, which one's resonates with you the, the most i think for receiving love it's definitely quality time mm. um i think when i was growing up it was definitely more was gifts one of them uh receiving gifts yep mm -hmm. yeah so when i was growing up like it was, it was definitely receiving gifts but as i've gotten older uh definitely quality time because i feel like people generally seem pretty busy mm. especially in new york and so when someone's willing to spend time with me even if it's like grabbing dinner or like talking on the phone even like something like this jeff mm -hmm. I, I i feel like I, I really appreciate things like that mm. um and then for showing love similar like i i like i just as people spend time with me i like spending time with other people mm -hmm. And then something else I noticed is I also like to give words of affirmation because mm. I like to see the smile on people's faces when <laughs> when I give like a word of encouragement. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, so that's that's one of the like the love languages that I that I um, like to, to give out to other people. So Joe, I'm noticing a trend. You like to watch people, you know, pick up videos, and then you like to give words of affirmation. I think there's a connection i think you're you're just a smooth talker my guy <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah that makes sense i think i think these love languages for sure 
I think obviously everybody enjoys them in some way, shape, or form. But I also very much enjoy quality time as well. I also I think I also like to the physical touch aspect as well. And it doesn't mm. necessarily have to be like a lot of contact. Like even if I'm with a friend and say like we're laughing really hard, like I like I don't know punching someone because I, I laughed too, too hard or something like that. <laughs> you know, even like small things like that, like or even a high five or like a fist bump. True. To me, I think like like when you're playing basketball with someone and you give them, you know, yeah, exactly, a, like a high five or or slap on the butt or whatever. Yeah, like if I were playing basketball with someone and I made like a really good shot or something, I would much rather get a high five from someone than have someone say like nice job mm. at least to me um, actually by you saying that it reminded me that going back to like the words of affirmation mm-hmm. i don't know why i do this but i'll i'll compliment players on the court after they take a nice shot or a nice pass whatever regardless of what they're on <laughs> so like if i'm guarding someone yeah and they make a nice shot over me i'm like yo that's a good shot dude <laughs> I mean, I would personally enjoy that, but I feel like some people might get weirded out. They're like, "Why are you complimenting me when you're?" Yeah, because trash talk is such a common like thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't try to do it; just it just comes out, you know. These are this is some like next level mental games. <laughs> like, dude, you look you look good today, man. Before they take a shot, they'll throw them off. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Joe. So next question is: This is kind of a silly question, but. If coffee was illegal, what would its street name be? Illegal? Yep. Hmm. Black market coffee? Black- wow. <laughs> That's a very straightforward. You know, nobody would... I, th- I thought a street name had to be, like, discreet. Like, you can't know, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not attuned to, like, street <laughs> names of drugs. Uh, I mean... Oh, good. I don't. E- I couldn't even give an example. Like, uh, uh, like what? <laughs> no, no, I'm glad. I just thought it's hilarious that your street name for illegal <laughs> coffee would be black market coffee. <laughs> uh, like coke for cocaine. Yeah, kind of. I'm basically it's. I like don't know. A street name is an alternative name that doesn't give the identity of the original item away, but people who are in the know know what it is. Gotcha. Well, so black market coffee isn't get too <laughs> too that obvious. Sounds like, that sounds like a like a hipster coffee <laughs> boutique in Brooklyn. Yeah, it does actually. I don't even know. I I don't know. Maybe I would call it the bean. The bean. I'm pretty yeah. sure there's already a coffee shop called that, or it's uh, the coffee bean. Oh yeah. Oh, it's true. Or I guess you could call it. What else the can you call coffee? The the waker upper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Alright, well that 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 satisfied the, the silly question quota for this episode. It's good to know. So uh you know, if anybody ever needs wink wink black market coffee <laughs> Joe will probably help you out with that. The black market bean. Yeah, yeah. A little bit less obvious, but, you know, still there. All right. Joe, next question is, what is one item on your bucket list? Well, I guess, do you even have a bucket list? Not formally, but there's there's definitely, like, things that I've thought about. And I'm like, oh, I should probably add that to my my list. Um, Well, one of the things I didn't know was going to be on my list uh, that I I added was, was doing a podcast. So oh. I, I crossed this off, which is nice. Wow, I feel honored um, that I could help you cross <laughs> off a, an item on your book. Thank you. Um, I would really like to eat at Eleven Madison Park, the uh, the fine dining restaurant near uh Madison near Madison Square Park. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I used to work with someone who. Uh, would would do a lot of reservations there because she she was like an admin for uh for some executives. Oh wow, okay. And so she she basically told me that like I don't have any experience from this. It's just what she told me is like if you want to make reservations there, they open. I think it's like 
one day every month, and then you have to call in within like the first five minutes Jeez. to book in advance. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Um, but I, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to, to eat there because like New York is like known for its food scene. I, I've definitely eaten at like good restaurants, but I haven't eaten at like you know like a a three Michelin star restaurant or however many stars they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- think it's like. 300 around there mm. dollars uh and they give you like multiple um i guess i guess courses i don't know what they call them but um right. yeah and they have like a seasonal menu too so like it changes based on that season's ingredients mm. you know for 300 dollars for a three michelin star restaurant that's not bad at all i think if i were ever to like celebrate a life event i would totally do it yeah cool. and like it doesn't sound too absurd Right. You know? Right. No, I mean, the reason... So, the reason why I gasped when you first said that was because... Not that I want to eat there, too. But recently, I think my sort of YouTube recommendations have been all out of whack because I just watch everything now while in quarantine. <laughs> but recently, I've been on, like, a sort of MasterChef slash, like, Hell's Kitchen binge. Mm. So, I'm getting, like, a lot of these food videos, right? And... One of them, or like a couple of episodes, have always had like three star Michelin chefs come on and just judges, and also give a background as to like what restaurant they come from. So I'll also Google their restaurants and see what, what what they're all about. And now one of my bucket list items, similar to you, is I want to eat at a three star Michelin restaurant. Because to me, I think up to this point in time, I've only eaten at a, a one star Michelin restaurant so far, and it's uh, Ding Tai Fung. I don't know if you know it or not. Oh yeah, in uh, Taiwan, the. Uh, I actually had it in, in Sydney, so when the group of us were studying abroad there, for birthdays we would treat each other out to Ding Tai Fung. <laughs> <laughs> that was like. Our Dang, you guys were rich, rich back then. No, it wasn't bad. I think, uh, I think each time we went out for a birthday, and we ordered like a lot of food. Like we were bloated after each meal, and it came out to at most like, I want to say like thirty dollars per person, so it's not terrible, especially if you only do it like. Yeah, a couple of times throughout the year, but that that was really good. That was my first Michelin star restaurant, and I was very impressed. So, can only imagine what three stars look like. All right, Jeff. If if you and I can't find a girl to <laughs> to bring we'll to this restaurant, we we will we will take each other. All right, uh, I I am down. I mean, I hope okay. I hope we can find girls and still go together. But <laughs> uh, assuming we can even get a reservation in the first place, that's true. That's true. All right, Joe. Well, you you can become famous, and then uh, and then just just give me a reservation because of your <laughs> namesake. <laughs> All right. Next question, Joe. This next question is kind of related to our first half, but in much brighter light. What was your dream job, or is your dream job? My dream job growing up was being an artist. Like, um, do you draw really well? I thought I did. <laughs> Like, people would always compliment my drawings, and then I guess I just, well, so, yeah, so I want to be an artist, and mm. specifically, I wanted to, to be, like, an architect, mm. um, and I thought it'd be, like, really cool to design my own houses. Um, then, in high school, someone told me that uh, in architecture school, you have to, like, take a lot of exams, and it's, like, pretty rigorous, mm-hmm. and so I think that demotivated me. <laughs> Yeah, so that was my dream growing up. I think, you know, finance is good and it it pays the bills. (laughs) Um, But, like, I think my dream job would be to be, uh, like, a travel food blogger. I think that would be super cool. So, like, to visit all these, like, cool countries, um, eat, like, the foods that they're known for. Um, And I also like writing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't really right but like i i haven't been consistent with it but i i do enjoy like i think i would enjoy maintaining a blog mm. so i think it would be cool to like yeah take pictures in all these different places and just like write about it would be that'd be like a pretty cool dream job do you know the uh youtube channel strictly dumpling i've heard of it i haven't watched it so, yeah so i mean it, i it's one of those channels that i just put on a background or when i'm feeling hungry 
but he's basically yeah. like uh, this guy who used to be apparently in banking, but he gave up his career to pursue like a full time job as a travel food blogger. Oh wow! Um, and he goes to a lot of places and tries like a lot of good and famous and exotic foods. But he also mentions that sometimes like it does get lonely for him because he's never home. Like he's always out and about by himself. Um, hmm. So I do feel bad when I get to learn that that aspect of it. But the the way that he experiences all these things and he gets to just do something he enjoys, I think that's that's great. It's, it's all really right, cool. I gotta I gotta check out that channel. Yeah, don't watch it when you're on an empty stomach. It will make you <laughs> make very you very very hungry. Yeah, I I because like he he always tries out like food challenges and as well as like uh, famous buffets where you need to reserve very far in advance and the food yeah. is just <sighs> too good and i want it now but, <laughs> yeah i mean i also thought i wanted to be an artist when i first grew up but my mom signed me up for an art class and apparently after my first art class the teacher approached my mom and basically just told her your kid has no future in art <laughs> <laughs> so uh I think they knew because um, my stick figures were bad. And I feel like mm. if I failed at stick figures, I don't really have much talent. But then, you know, what makes me not mad, but like makes me sometimes wonder, you know how like a lot of present artists, like modern art, you're looking at it and you're just like, how is this famous? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like if they just continue to, you know, unlock my quote unquote potential, I could mm. have maybe become a modern artist, artist today. Yeah. I... I don't get modern art. Like, I just don't get it. <laughs> like, uh, MoMA, I, I <laughs> did not understand. Like, I don't know. I, I Just my personal opinion, but mm-hmm. when I go to the Met, which is, like, one of my favorite museums, mm-hmm. I look at the paintings, I'm like, wow, like, it must have taken so much skill, so much time right. to make this. And then I go to, like, the MoMA, and I'm like, I could have done that. <laughs> I could have, I could have sipped, I could have drank like a six pack and like, (laughs) give me (laughs) some bottles of paint and a canvas and I could make probably something pretty similar, but like, I could never draw what they have up in the mat. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. just my personal opinion. No, for real. Like you can just blindfold me and let me splatter some paint. And that's what I feel it will look like. (laughs) Wait, have you been to um, LA before? I have, but not in a while. Okay. Uh, what when he did go? Did you go to? Do you remember if you went to LACMA, like the Los Angeles, God, I forget County Museum of Arts? No. So basically, it's like that famous touristy spot with like the all the lamps. I don't know if you know it or not. So I thought that was cool, but inside the museum is actually a whole art exhibit as well. And I think there's one painting. I think it's LACMA, but I think there's one painting where it's just basically an enlarged like picture of a Campbell's chicken noodle soup mm. and I'm just like why is this art <laughs> like what about this strikes like people's artistic souls you know what I mean yeah but apparently it's super famous and everybody wanted to get a and, picture of it and the funniest thing is like I'll have this description next to the painting mm. of like <laughs> this evokes all of these different feelings and like this is really what the artist is trying to go after and i'm just like and i'm trying to see it in the painting and i just cannot see it <laughs> yeah the campbell's one's like this artist was very hungry and ran out of campbell's at home so <laughs> he tried to indulge himself <laughs> uh all right joe uh next question this is kind of a mainstay question of our podcast but can you say anything in a language other than english yeah i can speak mandarin ni hao what it means is yang uh, Kai. i've actually never heard your chinese name before yeah it's uh oh, i Kai. Honkai. I don't really know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, first of all, for people who don't know Mandarin who are listening, Joe basically said, hello, my name is his Chinese name. My Chinese name. Like, I've asked my parents, and I think it means, I think Kai means Victor, I uh, believe. Uh-huh. Hong? Yeah. Like, Red Hong? No, uh, Kai. Yang Hong Kai. Yeah, this, so I think the, the second Kai... word. What's the oh, second word? Oh, yeah. Hong, it's like um it's got that house symbol on top of it house symbol on top of it i, I think it's ha- like 
All right. It's, if it's, you're it's good at Mandarin uh, and you know what word Joe is talking about, please let me know because I have no idea. It's, it's hard to describe Chinese symbols through audio. Wait, um, Hong like H O N G or Hao like H A O. H O N G. H O N G. Yeah. If you if you think of um, do you know how to write Jia? Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. like family or house yeah there's that like house symbol on top so it has home has that same house symbol okay um <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude I'm, so, I'm like i keep writing the word home on my like the word for i, I think it's yeah. pronounced like h-o-n-g like, like the color red but i don't i don't i don't think it means red but it's, it's pronounced like the color red okay okay yeah <laughs> yes, if you know what word he's talking about, please let me know. Because I keep writing the the word jia, but I don't know how to get that to Hong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I I did not pass the fifth grade Chinese school. Well, so actually, have, you've met my siblings before, right? Yes, mm-hmm. Jess and Paul. So, I, mean, I met Jess, not Paul, though. I don't think I've ever met Paul actually. Yeah, so we're all. Um, I, I'm the oldest, and we're all like four years apart three four years apart mm-hmm. and it got to a point where i was held back so many years that i was put in jessica and paul's chinese school class <laughs> <laughs> well wait did you used to go to those like huasha schools uh huasha. i went to one in white i went to one in wyckoff which is like north jersey uh-huh. but it was the worst because they would always be saturday morning oh. and so you know you go to school monday to friday and then like bright and early Saturday morning, you like can't watch cartoons. <laughs> you go oh. to class that you don't even want to go to. So, right, mine used to be I feel on like... Sundays. Oh, that's even worse, right? Because then you gotta like, I, gu- I guess you like go to church and then. Well, afterwards... I mean, at that time when I went, I-, I wasn't a believer yet, so I didn't go to church. Got it. So okay, it kind of worked out, I guess. Um... Yeah, I didn't. I did not have good experience. I I think that they. It'd be nice if they offered it in more schools. Mm-hmm. Um, not to downplay the, like the importance of Spanish, right. but like it would be cool to have Mandarin offered um, in more schools. I, I think it's because it's also pretty difficult. Um, it is. I, I've heard it's pretty difficult to learn. Yeah. I honestly think that English and Chinese, or sorry, English and Mandarin are the hardest language languages in the world because I feel like every mm. other language. Well, okay. Well, let me take that back. So, English and Mandarin are the hardest languages in the world. English because I feel like it's one of those languages that doesn't really follow set rules, right? I agree. You have to, like your whole e bef- e wait was it uh, e <laughs> i before e's, <laughs> e's except after c's. But then you have some words where it's okay to violate that, right? And you're just like, yeah. why? And then Chinese, I think it's just a matter of you need to learn the base symbols before you can make more complicated words. Because a lot yeah. of, and it's it's actually easier in my opinion. Even though I know simplified now, and I know, like I've been learning simplified, I do feel like if you like to understand a root of words, it's a lot easier to learn traditional Mandarin than simplified Mandarin. Because mm. simplified Mandarin gets rid of a lot of these like underlying meanings of words and just like combines like a whole picture into like a one single line sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how to write. I just um. Besides my name, <laughs> I just, I yeah, I, but I, I feel like I have a decent grasp of speaking and understanding it, mm-hmm. which I feel like is fine. And, and you being oldest, I know that in most families, usually the oldest speaks like an alter- alternative language the best. Is that true in your household, or? Um. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jess and Paul listening to this, you're like. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd agree with me. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, like my parents try to enforce it in the house, but like that can only go so far. Yeah. And like it's tough because like where are you really going to practice? You know, besides if you like talk to your grandparents on the phone or like you make a trip back to Taiwan, it's like pretty hard to um, still keep that going. But like when I talk to my parents, I try to use Chinese as much as I can. Mm, gotcha. Well, Joe, we, we did talk for a lot today. This was, this has been really fun. And, you know, since we're wrapping up this podcast on topic of language, I just want to say jayo to you and whatever you do. Shisha. <laughs> so, uh, okay, for those of you who don't know, jayo means, literally means at oil, but it's another way of saying 
you know keep ah, going keep going like it's basically you're wishing someone else the best and you're telling them to keep going yeah it's really hard to <laughs> translate not all of a sudden <laughs> how do you well, anyways but it's along those lines but seriously joe jayo um hope you can continue to stay safe during this quarantine and i hope to see each other in person soon after this whole thing is over but thanks for coming on today my man yeah thanks for thanks for hosting jeff yeah well you said this was a bucket list item how do you feel now that this has been crossed it feels good i'm i'm happy that i got to do it all right well i'm glad i got to do it with you my man all right that said we hope you enjoyed this episode of catching up with jeff g um thanks for your support as always and We'll see you all next week.